DBM delivers experiences that go beyond the ordinary and suspend reality. From powerful loudspeakers and state-of-the-art projection systems to acoustic treatment and screens, DBM partners with pioneering brands including Barco Residential, Complete Acoustic Treatment Systems, Display Technologies, Waterfall Audio and Meridian Audio to give you the very best high-performance products for your home cinema projects. Like you, we're committed to achieving excellence. Visit distributedbym.com to find out more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the Home Integration Community for the Home Integration Community. My name is Jeff Hayward, and today we're talking to a developer, an interior designer, and an architect to find out what they think of our industry. Many integrators work closely with property developers, interior designers, and architects to deliver successful projects for clients. What do these professions understand of our industry and the services we provide? And what would they like us to do better or differently? This talk was produced by Cedia and first broadcast as a webinar as part of ISE Digital 2021. Our thanks to both Cedia and ISE Digital for their support. AWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. So I'm going to start with you, Peter. Can you introduce yourself and your organisation? Absolutely. Uh, I'm Peter Warren. I'm from EAB Homes. We are a main contractor and developer based in Beaconsfield in Buckinghamshire. Um, we do both our own developments and also build for uh, private clients as well. Very good. Vanessa, what about you? Uh, I'm a British interior designer, but I'm based in the Netherlands in The Hague, just outside of Amsterdam. Um, I've got over 20 years experience in the industry. Um, previously, before coming to the Netherlands, I worked for Harrods for their private clients, designing their homes kind of internationally. And before then, I worked for Helen Green Design. Very impressive. David, follow that. <laughs> I'll do a try. So my name is David Field. I'm one of the founding directors of uh, TFF Architects, which was um, established about 17 years ago, I think. Uh, prior to that, together with my co-directors, we headed up um, architectural teams at uh, Northacre, who was a sort of prime residential developer in central London. And we've carried on our practice in a similar vein, working on uh, prime residential properties, both for developers and for private clients, nearly all of those in central London, and um, most of them are also existing buildings and, and listed buildings. And, uh, and the market we're in, where, where pro our projects do pretty um, universally have quite a lot of uh, technology integrated into, into the whole project. Good stuff. So you're all super well qualified to take part in this discussion. I'm delighted to hear that. Peter, let me start with you. In, in terms of the value that, that home technology brings to your projects, where, we, where would you put it? Um, I think 
since we originally spoke, Jeff, which is about a year ago now, um, obviously I think everybody's heard, well, maybe everybody's heard my thoughts on uh, AV and tech, um, but it was a bit of a, um, uh, to begin with, it almost seemed like dead money to us. Um, I think things have changed a lot throughout even the past couple of years, uh, whereby now if we don't do it, we are way behind the times. Um, and so we as a developer and a main contractor have really had to sharpen our uh, thoughts as to how we how we play it now with tech uh, right from the off uh, before a lot of the clients have even bought a site they're talking about what tech they want in the house um, so for us it's been kind of in the deep end over the past two three years I guess but I think now we are I'd like to think we're actually probably pushing the boundaries a little bit so we've gone from one extreme to the other but it's it's of definite value I would say and is that a good thing do you think or is that a headache for you uh used to be a headache um definitely it was one of those things where you think okay well there's a light switch in a room and why don't we just walk up to it and press the light switch on and off um uh, to the point now where we've got ipads mounted on uh, walls we've got tech on our phone whereby the homeowners can turn the heating off on their way home from the golf course uh, the list is endless um so it's really turned a corner okay Vanessa, what about you? Uh, presumably working and designing for Harrods, every home must have had technology or must, must have technology. Yeah, the majority of them did. And I've got to say, working with home technology companies, I found invaluable. Um, mostly because it is their responsibility to stay abreast of all the latest technology. Um, I think when you've got a project that could be a two-year project, for instance, the technology runs so fast that what TV, you know, somebody might want to put on a wall, for instance, on a very basic level, will be something completely different in two years' time. And so working with a home technology company, they can, if, if, if they are really good, which most of them are, um, then they can keep us informed on that. And I think also when it comes to the bespoke elements of a home as well. Uh, when you work with the home technologist, if you want to incorporate um, technology behind beautiful joinery and uh, concealed speakers, not just in the walls or the ceiling, but through the joinery, um, working in close conjunction with a home technologist is, is really, really important and they, they will help you so much. That used to be a headache as well, I think, because where we had clients and developers, they were all, uh, first of all, it was the money and it was that, oh, that's an extra 40, 50K for that. Yeah. And then they see the final thing. And this was a couple of years ago, granted, whereby, you know, you've still got everything mounted on the wall, but you've, you've got the interior design and the joinery stuff going around the home. And then there was this slow kind of cohesion uh, of everything where everybody started to think about it more. Yeah. Uh, the point now where actually uh, all of these kind of professional bodies so the interior designers the architects the um interior architects the and the technology guys that they're, they're talking about things from the off you know but as this house is on a bit of paper um and it's it's as i say it's gone a real 360 for me because it's gone from uh, not wanting to you know fighting down to my last breath putting any tech in at all to now thinking about the fact that, okay, in the bedroom, there's going to be a TV unit there. 
we know we've still got to get an underfloor heating stat in there. We know we've got to get the video entry in there. We know we've got to get X, Y, and Z in there. Now it's a case of it's all got to be concealed. Otherwise, even for me, it doesn't work anymore. You know, it's all got to be thought of right from the off. Okay. David, in terms of the value of home technology and the projects that you're working on, essential for you too? Uh, yes, yes, completely. I mean, it used to be um, uh, in, in projects that uh, home technology was part of the the way in which you were trying to make your scheme more, more distinct from others, go up, uh, up a few notches and, and be the sort of uh, the innovator and things. But I think uh, that's changed in um, quite some time ago and it's now become almost expected at a certain level of technology is, is part of all the, all the schemes that we do uh, to the extent that if you, if you don't have it, it's almost uh, from a developer's point of view, it makes them uh, unsaleable because you're not keeping up with, uh, with the expectations of the market. Um, but it's it, there's still it's um, as just been talked about it's it's a it, it's changing all the time. It's trying to keep up with the latest, uh, the, not just the latest technology. I don't think everybody wants to be at the cutting edge. It's always about making sure it's it's really robust um, in terms of uh, not causing problems later on. It's very user friendly. It's, it's um, the interfaces are good for the clients because uh, many of our our projects are with repeat clients and. Where ten years ago they put in a lot of technology um, that then may have had uh, different kind of control systems, quite a lot of uh, wall acne going on with so many systems in, in the houses. Now it's about it's primarily about simplicity, and it's not always getting home technology right. It's not always about um, uh, the extent of it. It's it's also about how it's done and making sure it's it's discreet and doesn't sort of dominate other aspects of the house and just, and just falls into an everyday sort of function of, of, of living in that home. I, I suspect you can empathise a lot with that, Peter, as well, can't you? Absolutely. Um, it is one of those things that it does need to be seamless. Um, again, people used to like the idea of an iPad on the wall. It was cool. Um, now actually it's gone, you know, further than that. It's a case of, right, we know the technology has got to be there. It's got to be working behind the scenes, but you know, we want it on our phones. We're happy to have, uh, you know, the odd controller, like one or two, you know, maybe dotted around the house, but otherwise actually we want to get rid of light switches. Uh, we need to lose the, um, underfloor heating even to the point now where we're using kind of plastered in the speakers just to make everything crisp, clean, get stuff off the ceilings. Um, it's there working in the background, but it's it's like a child, you know, you want to uh, get the benefit of it without having to listen to it all the time and see it all the time. And, and that sense that uh, David mentioned there about properties are unsaleable if they don't have a level of technology. I mean, is, is that true, would you say? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, certainly now. Uh, as I say, there used to be a point where I was getting approached by AV companies and they were like, oh, you know, you need to put in control for, uh, you need to at least have speakers in, uh, wireless broadband throughout and so I'm like, yeah, but I like, I like working with my electrician. He just put some down lights in the ceiling and, you know, house is saleable. Um, but now I think the minute the, the buyer work, walks through the door, they're on the lookout for what's it got, what's it got. And if they don't at least see kind of like a Lutron switch somewhere, they're like, mm, just a switch. Mm, I'm not sure about that anymore. Um, so it is, it is one of those big things now. And I think that this, almost the, when they walk into the house now, you know, we have the music playing, we 
up the lighting you know as soon as they walk in it, it just above anything else really it helps to sell and Vanessa, you're working on a lot of projects where the client will call you in and presumably a lot of the time uh, there will be older houses perhaps that they that won't have any technology. And, and when they're briefing you, are they driving that conversation on technology as part of their brief to you? Not always, actually. I would say sometimes they are. Um, but I would also say it's up to us to quite often identify the need for it as well. Um, and to then suggest to bring in a home technology company on board. Um, some, some clients just have it as a given that there would be a home technology company, um, whereas others you, you kind of need to explain to them the reasons why. Um, and there was one particular client that I worked on in London who was a really involved client. And actually, we explained to them the reasons why, but then we ended up taking them to a, a lovely showroom, which was a home technology showroom where they showed them everything and spoke to them as well about the benefits of having the technology because they, they wanted it. Um, but it is about budget as well. So, but for us as designers and architects and developers, technology has got so much more complicated than just you know a few fancy lights <laughs> at that level that we need them involved too. And, and also if they want, if a client wants to have all of these things, it's not just about integrating it, it is about the aftercare service afterwards. And so if they want to maintain that, it, it has to be installed and for them to be able to contact somebody if something goes wrong or if it needs modification, where do they go? So that's kind of how it, my experience of it. Mm. Well, I, think, uh, I think it's a very valid point. You can't be a, a company working in this market and expect to just walk away as, yeah. as an old-fashioned contractor might have done in the past, let's say. Absolutely not. It is, it is a relationship that should continue going. And I know <laughs> we've had to call out, you know, I've had clients, I remember kind of as an assistant years and years ago, um, I, had a, I worked on a project kind of at the end that I was assisting on. And this, uh, this gentleman, he had this beautifully designed uh, house with this stunning sitting room with six remote controls. <laughs> And, and I, was, I was literally going there trying to work out what to do and how to put his remote controls together. And actually, because I was working for quite a well-known firm at the time, we had relationships with home integration companies and I could call them and they, they came and they helped me. But, you know, that's kind of not really their, what they want to be doing necessarily, but, you know, they helped because we were a big name. Um, and so not having that kind of aftercare service or the consideration to actually think about how is that client, who is that client, how are they going to live in this space? You know, do, are they really tech savvy or do they just want something really, really simple that's going to work for them, but is still kind of quite high tech, just not lots of remote controls. I think that's a really um, valid point actually as well for us because it's, it's not just enough anymore to have the tech in the house. Yeah. When you walk away from the house as a developer, once it's sold, the first thing that you don't want is a phone call on moving in day saying, oh my God, I can't even work a light switch. Absolutely. Or how do I get a TV to turn on? And I've, I've been upstairs, I've been to the AV cupboard, I've looked at it. 
And well, here's a photo of it. And all you get is just wires everywhere, popping here, there and everywhere. And it's just like, oh my God, one, it's really embarrassing. Uh, yeah. And two, you can't even, as a developer, you can't even go over there and offer to help because you yourself are like, oh my God, I don't know. So no, right. it's not your field of expertise. No. And, and inevitably, not inevitably, but things do go wrong or, or you know, something might, might just need tweaking. So I remember working on a project in Paris and um, it was one of these projects which grew <laughs> and they were having to modify and update the home technology. And, and just having that home technologist there and for afterwards, because the client didn't live in this property all the time and they were there infrequently, just to be able to call them if something went wrong or their rep called us because the client needed something. I can't answer those questions. I'm an interior designer. I do need somebody that understands the technology that's wired it and that knows the property. So having a company that you outsource that to is, is hugely important. Yeah. So David, David, uh, let, me, let, let, me, uh, let me just bring you in on that. There's a number of pain points there, Vanessa mentioned. What, which of those strike a chord with you? Well, well, all of them, but I think just going back to your, your, your earlier question about clients and the, and the brief, first of all, that is, um, yes, clients do often uh, drive the brief, but as Vanessa was saying, not always. Quite often you'll have clients who um, are not aware of what's possible or of what they want to do is just make sure they're getting something is what they would expect of that caliber house. What, what would you say would go with this kind of caliber house in this, in this marketplace? Uh, so they're putting it back on, on us to sort of tell them what's, what's the norm. And that norm is, is, is changing. And I think where we, um, uh, where we can get the best help from, uh, from home technologists is, is with, a, with kind of questionnaires at the beginning and making sure all the options are, are flushed out of what they can do. Because whilst um, so much of this, the, the, the subject we're talking about is, 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 uh, is really interesting. It's, 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 a, it's a fun part of the house. Also, it's about everyday living. And it's very, it's very easy to just get carried away with uh, the number of lighting circuits in every room and a number of speakers and TVs we're doing one house where we um, were quite frustrated. We haven't quite got to 50 televisions. We've only got 48, but um, so no, we didn't quite get that mark. But you can, you can um, get involved in this stuff. And it's important as well as all the things that you see and the client likes and the, if you can like the, the, the fun bits, that from the outset, there's an understanding of the impact all that has on what happens behind the scenes, how much space is needed for the, the cable runs and the, and the panels and other control systems that are needed to support all this, uh, rather than be, uh, and, and thinking about that at the outset. I think Peter was saying it's important to get um, advice right at the beginning, and that's that's essential for us. I think for all aspects of building services, it's a it's a probably a fairly constant frustration that it's not thought about early enough in terms of its space requirements. And if you're working on existing buildings, particularly listed buildings, you haven't got you know, a super amount of flexibility of how to fit these things in without compromising other parts of the design and taking taking away space from other things that are needed. So yeah, that, that's um, getting, getting the brief right at the beginning and getting that balance of something which has the, the, the feel good factor for the client as well as the functionality is really important. But um, uh, budget comes into that we're talking about a lot of projects 
go off on the on the fun side the budget comes in and then there's a a few sort of tense phone calls of trying to uh, find a way to take a few decimal places off the figures because um, people have just got a bit carried away. Um, so that, yeah, br briefing is, and, and getting the, educating the client in that way is, is right from the beginning is, is critical. I totally agree. I think also when it comes to the, the, the smaller details about how the client lives and in the briefing and is it, is it the client's main property? How many properties do they have? And when they live, when they go to that property, are there consistencies in terms of what that client expects? As in, do they want the same switch plate in every single house? Because that's what they're used to touching when they enter the room with X amount of switches, you know, just small things like that make, make such a difference. And actually quite often clients take it as a given that we would think about those things. And it's only until the end of the project when sometimes that's been overlooked, which are obviously only more, because <laughs> I've learned from that, um, that, you know, that it's not great. And it's, and it's annoying because it, if, it's, if it's all thought of in the briefing stage, then it would make, it does make a big difference. And where we've had, um, um, where we had CGMMs work with a lot, help with those briefing uh, situations from the beginning, that's always made the project more yeah. successful. And the, the other aspect I think we have in quite a lot of projects is, is, is the brief is quite mixed in the way it needs to work differently for different people who might be using the home. There's, there's uh, quite often somebody in the household who's quite tech savvy and, in, and interested in all, all the, the subjects we're talking about and, and capable of um, uh, going into apps and, uh, and adjusting lots of, uh, lots of controls. But they also have uh, the kind of caliber houses we deal with quite a lot of guest suites and other 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 rooms where it needs to almost operate like a hotel and you walk in that room and it's completely intuitive and it, it doesn't uh, you don't need to have to be particularly knowledgeable about technology to know how to how to control the lights and the lighting and and the blinds and the heating and and the cooling without having to get out an ipad and, and go into various apps which you're you're not familiar with there's there's a there's a there's sort of two tiers of, of of interface which we often deal with for the for the, the the more intuitive system and then somebody who wants to, to be more refining each each application in each room. What about you, Peter? What are your pain points? Uh, I think it, it can be the clients, one of who wants one thing and one the other. Um, I think most of the time, from my perspective, it is almost budget as well. Um, I think people come into it and thinking, oh, it's just, it's a load of wire, really. So it's going to be really cheap. And there's, there's an element of that, which is true. You know, the wiring is really important and to star wire a house, absolutely the right thing to do. And it is relatively cheap, but then they're thinking, okay, well, in this room, we're going to uh, terminate the wire with X, Y, and Z speakers. Uh, we're having TVs everywhere. And then the whole thing, once they've added the media room in or the cinema rooms, it just all adds up. And before you know it, you're, you're way beyond where they wanted to be. And then there are some clients who go, do you know what? Yeah, we're just going to go with it. We'll find the money from somewhere. There are other clients then who uh, can take, you know, the best part of eight to 10 weeks to think about it. And then you end up back where you were anyway. Um, and I think being uh, honest with uh, the, the specifier in the first place as a client, I think is really the best place to start and say, look, I have got a budget to it. I've set it with the builder as X. 
really need to stick there. By all means, give me some extra over costs if I want to do this and I want to go a bit silly on this, but really we've got to stay here. And I think that's sometimes where things fail because you go into a showroom or something and you see uh, the wonderful glowing things on the wall and oh yeah, I've got that and I've got that and I've got that. And then when it comes to it, the price is astronomical. Um, And actually when you then sit down with them, you actually get to the bottom of everything that they wanted after the event that they've seen stuff and it kind of goes in the wrong order. Um, and it's, you know, as a client, it's disappointing to be able to tell you can't have something. Um, and so I think the more honesty and the upfrontness uh, and getting that process right in the beginning really helps, to be honest, starting with the budgets, you know, starting with what they absolutely do want and finding the compromises rather than having to do it uh, down the line is is a real a real pain sometimes. Yeah, so I think it's also it's not, it's not just about the um, you're completely right about all the uh, things people see and if, if if you ask somebody they want they want that that TV that's in the room all those speakers they'll say yes so you end up with that list but uh, it's the um, sometimes all the control systems and then the programming time that needs to go with all of that and making everything work together which um, cannot be an insignificant part of the the, the cost. And then when costs are being um, cut, perhaps, it's those control systems and the complete, uh, the more sort of one-stop integration of everything that gets uh, gets cold a little bit. And then uh, some of the pain points we have is you're, you're left then with lots of um, independent systems where the client is expecting them to talk to each other, but there isn't a full BMS system or other things, so you're still working, trying to pick up the pieces and fill in the gaps of, um, well, how does the CCTV appear on this this iPad? And, and there's nobody actually dealing with that because it's not part of the M&E consultant's uh, scope. The M&E contractor isn't picking up all of that, really. They're more on um, the main plumbing, heating and, and power side. The home technology consultant's kind of role has been sort of curtailed to just a more of a uh, a supply and advice side on the on on AV and, and TV and maybe a few other things, few things. So we let, get left in the middle with quite a few um, uh, more not technical problems to try and coordinate, and that that's probably the most most common pain point from our side. So it's it's about probably making sure that the the home technologist role has a has a proper like a paid consultant design design fee to be part of the design team from the beginning not not um not seen at all as somebody who's there uh, promoting and 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 selling the sort of the toys of the house it's 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 much more fundamental than that and, and making sure that that you, you kind of need that role as um almost as a project manager for for the cabled services aspect of the of the building infrastructure because uh, without home technologists it just is a there's an awful lot of gaps to, to conf- somehow join up together. I think that's where a lot of people fall down actually is because as a client, you know, if I knew no, no better, I'd want to go out and I'd be straight down to any, you know, high street AV shop and I'd be thinking, oh, wow, yeah, I'm about to build my new house. I really want that and I really want to incorporate that. And they're almost kind of talking to the, almost to the wrong people because they're going in there and they're just being sold everything. Um, and so what happens is they get the quote through and they're looking at it and they're going, oh, 120,000. Okay, that's probably all right. And then they're building like a 2,000 square foot house and then they're giving this AV quote to the builder and they're going, oh yeah, and we need to build this in. And the builder's there like, oh my God, that's costing more than the house. 
Um, and I think it's, it's a case of really getting that, the correct input and the correct guidance uh, early on that really saves those awkward conversations later on. Yeah, and it's, it's not always the case. Everything also has to be integrated. I think as too, it's a there's a balance to be struck. Sometimes standalone systems are are completely fine, and um, sometimes, and perhaps from a client's point of view, could often be seen as more robust and more um, easy to use. Um, trying to think of an example where a lot of the times you have houses where you have cooling systems and underfloor heating in them, and you you try and do a system that makes sure that you're not trying to heat the room and cool it at the same time. Mm-hmm. quite a lot of clients say well I don't that doesn't bother me just make them independent I think I'm I think I'm bright enough to know not to put the heating on and the cooling on at the same time I don't need a, a BMS system to do that for me in the same way as I know not to leave the window open when I'm putting the heating on as well it's it, it sometimes things get over, can get over complicated and, and but Vanessa the, the role of the home technology professional it's a little bit like an interior designer because you're you're a professional you're designing but you're also you're providing product and you know you, you, what is that role is it easily defined these days for clients of what they do yeah i mean it i feel like it is um it's, it's got a question yeah just they do provide the product but it's also the service of which they provide too which is hugely key and I suppose there is a similarity in in a way in terms of what we do well although it's very different (laughs) Um, but in that sense it is quite similar in the fact that they are being you know they're coming in with their expertise and they're supplying the product as well and integrating that product but I so that is kind of how I would see a home technology Mm. Um, but I do think that they are part of a team to work with the architect and the interior designer um, and the contractor. And, you know, yes, you can have one without the other, but you won't get a project, you know, delivered a full 360 project at a very high end to a good standard if you don't have all of those elements involved and if they're not all working together really well. And where, Vanessa, might there be conflict areas as to, it, David was talking about, sometimes there's there's not that clear role as to who takes responsibility for something. Do you find that at all? Yeah, I'm, so David touched on it a little bit as well earlier, but it's it's a conflict area, but it's also not in the fact that it is part of the process, but I think it's a good thing to highlight. And that is the integration of the technology and how that works seamlessly with the design and I think it's really really important to make sure that the home technology company really understands what's going you know the situation with our client who our client is and how how they live Um, but more so than that in terms of when it comes to the drawings too so I might want to design some really, really beautiful joinery and have a TV in there and some speakers and all of these other things, um, all completely hidden. Um, And more so than that, like cabling running behind for other aspects of the property or through the ceiling or things like this. And it's really important that I'm showing those drawings to the home technologist 
and walking through them with them to say, do you know what, is this aperture the right size? You know, are we giving enough ventilation around this system? And they can see whether or not they're providing us with the correct product. And before anything's kind of sent off to manufacturing, it really needs a review by a home technologist it's in some occasions, just to say, are we combining these two elements in exactly the right way? So it's all going to be solved by better communication, David. Um, yes, I mean, I, I don't mean to suggest that it's not with the projects we've worked on um, haven't had significant problems. It's just trying to anticipate the way mm. it, they didn't go that well. But it, it, it does all come down to communication uh, and making sure we, everybody, it, it's about valuing the, the skills uh, and the knowledge that the home technologist has because uh, we rely on their up-to-date knowledge of, of equipment and regulations that go with that and and things like making sure the systems are, are uh, things like cyber security are being considered as well which is, is not something uh, we thought of you know 10 years ago but is, is is very relevant now especially with a lot of um a lot of things uh, uh being controlling your system when you're on your phone in another country or in, or when you're in a car, we're talking about when you come back home, you want to turn on the heating before you get home. But a lot of these things, and um, people feel can make them vulnerable to to um, cyber attacks, so they want to make sure it's secure there. Um, it's also about relying on um, the special advice, especially when you're integrating with security systems, and making sure the right grade of right grade of security is being being achieved. So you might even have to bring in insurers and other people like that so these uh amount of technology in houses mean that it's, it's a very specialist skill and it does, it does need that expertise so it's all got rather complicated peter hasn't it it has but i think the word that's been used before communication is absolutely what it's about i mean you know the best laid plans as they say uh, and i think you know it's you can take that in a literal form you know you can sit and look at a piece of paper on a desk with your client um, for however many hours you like but when it actually comes to spraying it all up on site that's when you start to see you know the issues you know if you're not careful so a, a decent builder has got to be looking at that early on and thinking right if we haven't got an M&E consultant on board we need to get the plumber down the electrician down the home technologist down the interior designer down and we're going to spend a day and we are going to spray these plans up on the walls uh, RCP uh, on the floors if need be and just check that there aren't any clashes because unfortunately uh, there are certain things in the fabric of a building which are immovable and then there are certain things which can work around so generally speaking we have aircon and the mechanical side going first because they're hard materials you can't you know it's not easy to bend pipes around things that don't want to be bent around uh, wires are a bit easier to deal with uh, as long as there's not you know a load of containment being used um, and it is just a case of holding you know being prepared to hold those meetings and communicate and work everybody has got to work together to find the best routes and the best outcome and if there are clashes they get caught early enough on that you can sort them out well i think that's completely right and there's an awful lot of that to be done on site but i i think i'd added it's um it's better that if you can even do it before it gets to site and you're spending time because uh, uh the buildings we're working on are very highly serviced not just in in the Home automation, but in the sort of heating systems, hot water systems, and, uh, and cooling, and other things that we just talked about, and um, and uh, there's a danger that everybody's fighting for the same plant room space, 
And as you say, certain things are, are bigger and less flexible and they end up trying to then squeeze in sort of uh, control panels and distribution boards and, and uh, lighting panels and things in, in places which are not ideal or don't really, not, weren't originally meant for it and trying to do that so it doesn't compromise the, the sort of finished look of the interior architecture can get quite tricky. So yeah, it, it, is, it comes back to getting that communication and, and getting, that, getting that design input of the impact of the of the brief onto the space requirements um, quite early on, and we're often putting um, we're putting speakers and, and lights and other other um, back boxes for cable services into walls and and floors and ceilings, which also have acoustic and, and fire rating requirements that you need to think of, especially in difficult to deal with in older buildings and making sure that the, the products that are being thought about are compatible with all those things that they're not that's not the sexy side of the, the subject we're talking about but it still needs to all be thought about early on otherwise it'll it'll come back and bite, bite you later on what is it that you really need to know Vanessa from a, a technology integrator what are, what are the key things that you want answered up front I would I need for um what budget actually, which we've been touching on. And for us to be able to say, to walk through a home integrator um, and show them the plans and talk about what the wishes are and to have an, a gauge of what that budget is. I think that's, that's really important. Um, and I, I, want their, <laughs> I want their technology kind of um, side of it because I look to them in terms of telling me what what is the right thing to put into a home. Um, also, I think when it comes to advising us on things like sustainability and reliability and the longevity of things, I, I think that especially more so now, our clients want things in their home that they know are going to last. And, you know, if they're looking at, uh, if we're looking at a property and it's not a full renovation, but it's an update of a property, you know, how can we modify that so that we can reduce their energy ratings and things like that? And what do we need to change? And is that an upfront cost that later on down the line might help save some money through their bills? <laughs> mm. You know, things like that. So I think that's really, really important. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the kind of main things. Okay. That I Sustainability is a really interesting one. David, I mean, architects are under a lot of pressure and it, in fact, you know, rightly so, to, to be more sustainable. What, what's your attitude on home technology and sustainability? Um, well, wherever we can, it is something we try and put forward on the schemes. Unfortunately, not all clients are completely buy into that. And the, uh, the nature of some of the houses we're doing with the, the extensive um, heating and cooling systems are hardly the greenest buildings on the planet at the moment. But it doesn't matter... In that sense, you still you still get it in wherever you can, and we're actually redoing a house in Knightsbridge for a uh, for a client that we did um, ten years ago, uh, because she wants to update all the the um, all the lighting, uh, get it to lower energy system, change all the the heating, and make it more efficient. We're we're basically going over the house, um, and interior architecture is hardly changing at all. She loves what we did ten years ago, but it's all coming off and going back on again but redoing the infrastructure from the services side to make it uh, to make it use use less energy and um, and then adding in renewables where we can and things like green walls occasionally where we can so it's um it is 
it's become becoming a bigger and bigger aspect, I think, of of our world, and, and rightly rightly so. And, and more clients are becoming uh, more open to the the capital cost that goes with doing that because um, it, it's, it's it's now expected. Peter, do you want to chip in on that one? Where what what is it that you think you want to know from technology integrators? Uh, for me, I think it's just a, a level of information. Um, there's kind of two sides to our business. I'm I'm very much the kind of, uh, I suppose, the the nuts and the bolts, uh, whereas uh, my wife, Tonya, deals with the kind of the more uh, how things are going to look at the end. And so for me, if I'm talking to our technology guy, I'm thinking all I want to know is I need a drawing, uh, I need very clear information on where things are going. I want to be able to have that open line of communication with them in case I've got a question. Um, and they really need to assure me that what they're putting in is of a, of a good quality and that whoever is coming into this house to live in it afterwards is going to find it easy to use and update. And uh, I, I constantly say to them, look, you may well be doing the contract for us, but whoever buys this house may well have somebody that they already use. So you need to make sure that when they go into your uh, plant room and they're looking at your wiring and this, that and the other, that I'm not getting a call about it. So it's, it's all about very clear, concise information and just so that I know I can get on with the job. Anyone got anything to add to that, David? Um, well, I think it's a well, question was about what are we expecting i think from from a home technologist and i think um i mean i think one of the things we haven't talked about is we actually also as well as just the the practical side of things um it's important to uh, to use their skills and knowledge to to add some of the wow factor or or blow us away with something we hadn't thought of and and, and be presenting some of the latest things because whilst it's it's, um, it's about making sure things work very well uh, so much of what the, the field they cover is, is is the sort of feel good factor as well of a lot of uh, for a lot of these clients. And so having something that's um, there are clients who um, either for themselves or even for their for their visitors want to sort of might sound a bit crass, but it's almost like a sort of like showing off aspect to the to their project, both from the um, talking over the dinner party about Vanessa being their interior designer as to showing the, the, the latest, you know, TV and audio systems they've got. So we're, we're reliant on, um, on, on that side of, of their knowledge to help us with the most up-to-date in terms of functionality, but also most up-to-date in terms of, of, of that being something that's a, a really good design choice for the building. Um, and, and as a, and a, what we want them to be asking about is, is briefing and budget and the things we're talking about. One of, one of, one of the things I really like um, somebody to come up with is some, is some better designed um, kit that goes with, uh, with security systems because that seems to have got left behind compared to most other parts of technology. It still looks like a lot of it's come out of the 1970s. If anybody's got any ideas on that, that would be great. So. Very unsexy, isn't it? That and fire alarm. Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> there must be a, an opportunity for somebody to uh, to clean up if they could um, come up with some better design yeah. centers maybe, and panels in that world. Maybe we'll have somebody from Apple listening in or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Vanessa? What, what final advice would you have for integrators if they want to work successfully with interior designers? Oh, well, <laughs> I think... 
it can be quite hard for people to sometimes understand what an interior designer actually does. Um, there is, for some people, a bit of a misconception that we plump cushions, which, you know, we do at the end of a project. Um, but there is so much more involved with that. Uh, we are quite often, as well as the, with the architect, the, the main point of contact with the client. Um, we liaise with all the suppliers. We manage a budget. We uh, liaise with the contractors. We liaise with the lighting designers. We liaise with the home technology companies. Um, we do so much. So I think it would be really good to kind of understand our role a bit more and to ask us questions. Um, when it's a really high pressured project to pick up the phone, <laughs> um, because everything is a dominoes effect. And so um, if we want to put a piece of joinery or like built in joinery into manufacturing and we need an answer because we need to deliver to a certain time frame, just things like that, not all the time, but just to know sometimes that there are pinch points that, that, and stresses that we're under and to work with us on that. Um, and just to listen really, really carefully to our brief, get to understand our project, you know, well, also get to understand the designer and try and preempt things that they might like. Um, and I also think uh, approaching younger designers and explaining to them what they do um, in terms of their roles so that they can understand their need for home integration. Um, and so also as their careers progress and they work for the design companies, they can, they'll know where to go and also when to preempt when a conversation happens with a client um, and they're kind of thrown in there that actually they can identify this is the point where we need to be talking about bringing them in. I think that's really important. Very good. Peter, what final piece of advice would you have for integrators who want to deal with developers? I think we're a really tough animal to please, I've got to be honest. I think everybody is probably very familiar with that kind of uh, trinity of circles that kind of meet uh, with the time, the cost and the well factor. And, you know, you can only have two of the three ever. Whereas actually what we want being, you know, the typical, difficult animals, we want all three. You know, we want somebody to come to us and say, look, I've, I've researched this new piece of tech that's come out. You've absolutely got to get it. Saleability of your house is going to go through the roof, um, but it's not going to cost you the world. And I can install it in two weeks. And you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And that's that that is the ultimate, you know, um, and as close as they can get to that, I think, is 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 the best we can is the best we can get. Um, but I think it is important these days because there is now an expectation of this technology in the home that they do have to do their research more and more and come to us and say, look, we're not just saying have an iPad on the wall anymore. We're saying we can do this. And it's, you know, you'll be the first house in the area that's done it and it's not going to cost you the world. I think it's that kind of difficult balance to get for a developer whereby they can add something to the property that's going to give it value, but also the developer's not going to look at it and go, just can't afford to do it. I'm really sorry. And I know it's a really hard, really hard thing to achieve. But I think if people, for us, if they come with that in mind, then, you know, that's what we're after. Okay. Final word from you, David. Um, I think the final word for me was actually that um, I, putting it back the other way, I, I think of the experience I've had of working with quite a few different um, home automation companies that uh, um, they've always got a 
pinch points and trying to squeeze them in things into spaces and make things work for less money as we can talk about it. but um generally speaking the, the all of the people we work with have been um there's been a very rewarding process and uh everybody is 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 resourceful good at problem solving and uh th that's been, we just want that to be more appreciated and more taken on board by by, by clients and everybody at the beginning because it does um it does pay back dividends at the end in making sure you have a, a user-friendly, robust system that uh, just sits in the background and, and, and allows the rest of the design to sort of to breathe that properly. So, so that it'd be a positive thing to say that, that the input we get from, from people is, is much appreciated. Always good to end on a positive. Thank you so much to all our panellists for joining us today. That's been interesting educational and informative i hope you'll agree and uh yeah we hope uh, we hope you our audience enjoyed the talk as well and we look forward to welcoming you back for more conversations with developers designers and architects in the near future thank you if you enjoyed the show then please give us a review on apple podcasts and follow us on twitter at inthomepod Instagram at Integrated Home Pod and Facebook and LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of AWE, Sony and distributed by Meridian. And thanks once again to Cedia and ISE Digital for their support in this episode. We are a Wildwood production. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.